One quick note before we start, I just wanted to pass along my condolences to Ava and Bill on the passing of Big Daddy Graham. One of the the great guys in Philly Sports Radio passed away, and we're all just very sad about it, and you know, uh, it's part of the extended BSH family there, so I found out this morning while I was editing the show, so wanted to make a note about that before we started, so our condolences. Please enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Flyperbole. I'm Steve Chico coming at you while multitasking with a fantasy football salary cap draft that is taking forever. I'm having the time of my life. Look, I Patrick Mahomes, that's all that matters. But we're not here to talk about fantasy football. Eamon Smith and I are here today to talk about all things Philadelphia Flyers. We're in the middle of September and man, there's never a better time to talk hockey. Of course. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on with the Flyers right now. <laughs> just all the material in the world to talk about. Every last bit of it. It's it's just a magical time to talk hockey. Well, I do have to say, there's one bit of news, significant news. We talked about a bunch of signings last week. And, of course, it took a little time to put the episode together. And in the day it took between recording and putting the episode out, the Flyers made a pretty significant signing. They extended... Joel Joel Farabee to a pretty nice extension six years 30 million 5 million AAV and you know I'm a big fan of Joel Farabee and I I like this in essence but this is another signing that's kind of taking out the rest of the RFA years and you know there's always mixed thoughts on on that aspect of it Eamon how you feeling about Joel Farabee's deal I, I feel okay about it I am not an enormous fan of it i'd say but i'm not like against it either it's just this feels a little different for me than some of the other long rfa extensions we see because Faraby, i think Faraby will be a very good nhl player for the term of this contract i'm just even with a player that i trust as much as him i'm never super comfortable paying a guy that much money for that much term when they've only had really one good year and i think mm. That's that's kind of I mean, you gave him the AMAC, the AMAC special for a guy who can skate, he, who, can, who doesn't just fall down on his face constantly. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying he's AMAC. Obviously, he's not. He's a good NHL player right now. But you heard it here first. Damon says that <laughs> Joel Farabee equals AMAC, and there is no other way to construe that comment. Oh wow! Oh god. <laughs> so I. I just, I'm never comfortable giving a guy that much money for that much term when they don't have a proven track record. I think the guy that comes to mind for me as a cautionary tale, not of like specifically giving a guy a big contract in this circumstance, but of a dude who looked really promising um, and then suffered an injury or two and then the contract ended up, or just his career ended up being completely derailed. It's like Robbie Fabry, that kind of thing can always happen. So I just tend to err on the side of like, you want to keep cost certainty until you know this is somebody who can replicate the results year to year. They're not going to get injured, stuff like that. Now I know that 
this is probably going to end up being a bargain, but just there's like that little bit of uncomfortableness for me with it where that's that's a lot of term, even for a guy as young as Joel. Like it almost feels a bit soon, right? Like just just a bit soon. Well, yeah, like the, the situation with his contract and the way that they kind of burn years off of it, it doesn't feel like he's been a pro player for three years, but he has. But it's... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. It's fine, but I'm not as ecstatic as some other people are. I think the one thing that I do appreciate is that this locks down his AAV heading into next year so that when the Flyers are doing calculations on Giroux's extension or god forbid a Rasmus Ristolainen extension uh, it's it's gonna happen. Like we've all resigned ourselves. No, I refuse. I'm not putting it into the universe. I'm not accepting anything until it's Attaboy. happened. Attaboy, boy, I like it. But that that gives them a little bit of, I guess, understanding of where they stand cap wise, what they have to work with next year, and then what they need to get that Giroux figure down to heading into kind of the season now they're they're obviously not trying to push for a Giroux extension I think they're going to wait until the season is over but I don't know it's it's helpful for a team to kind of know how they're going to have to navigate the salary cap ahead of time so that's at least nice they got that going for them I mean the thing is on paper right like this does look good on paper based on what Farabee did last season he certainly feels like an up-and-comer like a guy who's going to be a top six forward for the Flyers for years to come. I love what he brought to the team last year. He was clearly one of the main reasons they were even competitive at the beginning of the season, frankly. And the the one thing I want to say about this, okay, just don't get stuck in Allentown. Just say no to Philly Joel. All right, that's I, my campaign slogan here. I hate you. Um, I didn't even see that that was on the outline, and then I just <laughs> looked down... And now my day is ruined. And Oh, uh, that's what I do. I ruin days. That's what I am here for, is to ruin days. But you know what ruins my day every time I see it? Philly, goddamn Joel. No more Philly Joel. Philly okay. Joel sucks. The Philly Bees Joel sucks. is the Bees. my preferred one. Even Young Beezer is better than that. I don't like Young Beezer because that just reminds me too much of John Van Beesbrook, who now has just terrible connotations with him. But it's still better than Philly Joel, which is no bueno. Yeah, just, just call him... Just call him Joel Farabee, or just call him Beezer. Like, Beezer is, like, the typical hockey nickname. Do not fucking call him Philly Joel. That's a terrible name. Hot take, Billy Joel is just okay. Uh, He's he's fine. He's whatever. <laughs> is that a hot take? I don't even know. Like, nah, I think, there... I think we've swung so far the other direction on Billy Joel now that that's, that's kind of just, like, the normal take is just he's fine. But it used to be Billy Joel is the GOAT. And, like, I know I've... I have a friend from high school named Massimo who's like the most obnoxious Journey and Billy Joel fan you'd ever meet. <laughs> what? He's that guy. He's like... Is he just... Is he from a time cap? Like, has he been hidden in a time capsule from 1981? <laughs> he loves Steve Perry. I don't know what his deal is, but he loves him. On that note, all I have to say is for, for <laughs> listeners, it, it, back when I used to do, I tried to do a pop culture site a few years ago and it, it went okay, but not great, but I enjoyed doing these music video write-ups for that. Journey Separate Ways, if you need to cheer up your day, Journey Separate Ways is one of the most absurd music videos of the 80s. I highly recommend if you need to pick up your day, go check that out. Welcome back to Steve and Eamon's music video hour. Last time we talked about 
corn, and this time we're talking about Journey. Oh yeah, we're just we're traveling back in time. You know, next time we're gonna be talking about big bands. I still I still can't get over that corn music video. It it haunts me. I, why? <laughs> For like what feels like twenty four minutes, he's going. Oh my god! It never ends. It so what are your ends. thoughts on that video? Like now that you've checked that out, does it match my description, or is it more insane than I even described? You didn't even mention like the beginning part of it where they're like the little children oh who yes run up on the hill and then that's when the bullet gets shot and the cop is like shooting at the kid oh yeah and that's from uh, i think that's like todd mcfarlane style animation which i know because i'm a big comic nerd and I, I think it's the same animation they used for like the old hbo spawn cartoon and it's just like it looks like that yeah that's exactly yeah so it's the same thing pretty much but it's but yeah like that shit was weird dude so and then weird. they like i was like there's no way that like the noise stuff like they've got to have like a lead into it and a lead out of it there's no way it's that jarring it is that jarring it's just out of nowhere they just do that and in the bullet it. hole room in the bullet hole room he stops the bullet he stops the bullet and then he does that go <laughs> what a time that is i you know it's one of the highlight it's a video that stuck with me not a ton of videos from that era have stuck with me that one will never leave me that that like sticks with me in the way that if you like fuck something up really badly, you know how you'll just like randomly remember it from time to time. And it's just like, oh man, remember that time that you screwed up? That's the kind of feeling that I have after having watched that video. <laughs> just just back. Like, I guess you could call that trauma. <laughs> yeah, I think you could call that trauma. It's a traumatizing video. And Kelly Hinkle is listening to this and just, she's just got the biggest scowl on her face. She cannot believe that we would criticize the beloved corn in this magnitude. Oh boy, we we have another Kelly Hinkle adjacent topic on the docket tonight. Oh, wow. Uh, although I'm going to be siding with her on this one. So oh, we'll get to that we're going to be on opposite sides of this argument. Oh, uh, fun. Okay. As we talk about the Flyers Hall of Fame candidates, that's well, right. That's where we are at in well. the hockey news cycle right now. We are talking about the Flyers Hall of Fame candidates. And you know what? It's been a while since the Flyers have put up somebody into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Nobody's been inducted since Jimmy Watson in 2016. A very worthy induction there. But it's time to put a couple people up. And frankly, I'm going to read the names. But frankly, I think Mike and Jason in the Slack had the best idea where they said, just put everybody in. And I am inclined to agree with that because all these people are worthy of this. Now, we'll have disagreements on the worthiness of certain candidates, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think at the end of the day, these are all still worthy people to be on the Flyers Hall. They're going to be there eventually. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, probably. I'd probably agree with you on that. <laughs> I, I'd ask that you refer to them by their proper titles, Mark and J-Poop. Thank you. Of course, of course. How could I? Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, as much as I'd say a guy who people seem to be pumping up as a top candidate probably should be the last person on this list to be inducted. Uh, he still probably should be inducted at some point. They, I think they should all be inducted, but let's go down the list and we will determine afterwards who we think is good, who we think is bad for this. So starting off, we have perhaps I would say the most handsome flyer of all time right here. Just objectively a handsome guy. That's Simone, Simone Gagne. Number 12, uh, one of my favorite flyers from 
my youth. Career numbers, 691 games played, 264 goals, 271 assists, 535 points. These are, uh, of course, Flyers numbers, I believe, right here. But, you know, I, I'm not going to question. I just got it from the Flyers site here. Yeah, definitely Flyers numbers because yeah. he played more than 691 games for sure. Paul Holmgren, the player, not the GM. An important distinction right there, even though Paul Holmgren... He had a mixed career as GM, but we've reviewed this at nauseum, ad nauseum. So we're not going to discuss that here. But as a player, he played 500 games, 138 goals, 171 assists, 309 points, and he beat the shit out of a bunch of guys. So that's great. Bob Kelly, the Hound. How is the Hound not already in the Flyers Hall of Fame? I don't understand it. 741 games played, 128 goals, 168 assists, 296 points. The Hound isn't in the Flyers Hall of Fame. That blows my mind. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. That's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, it's like... How the fuck is Dave Schultz in the Hall of Fame and he's not? Right. It's one of those things. It's like the Mandela effect, right? Where I was like, I just assumed that Bob Kelly yeah. was already in the Flyers yeah, Hall Yeah, he's of like fame. on that list of the guys from the 70s that you just expect to be in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. He was a bully. He should be on there. It's that simple. But what are you going to do? Well, I guess we could put him in this year. Next up... A true Flyers legend, and I will be upset if he's not on this year just because he's just the best. Lou Nolan, public relations, and of course, the most important role, public address announcer from 1972 to the present. 1972. He is a Flyers staple. It is not a Flyers game without Lou Nolan. Let's give this man his due. Absolutely. I mean, he's an icon. I... I have not been to a bunch of different Flyers games. I've been to one total um, in Philly, but I know who Lou Nolan is. I think most people who follow the Flyers know who he is. And he's, he's kind of like, he's the, he's the Robert Shepard uh, for the Flyers, right? Uh, what Robert Shepard was to the Yankees. Like people said, Oh, like you're not a Yankee until Robert Shepard says your name. Lou Nolan's that for the Flyers. I'd like to, my, my comparison is Dan Baker for the Phillies, because I won't talk about the Yankees ever, but Dan, Dan Baker, absolute legend for the Phillies. It's like, you just can't imagine it. Otherwise. Jeter in the Hall of Fame today. How do we feel about that? Who's in the Hall of Fame today? Jeter. Oh, Jeter. Uh, you know, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's Derek Jeter. He's overrated, but I mean, he won like a billion World Series and he was known as the best shortstop in baseball for a long period of time. And it is very debatable as to whether that is true or not, but the man's an icon and a legend. He absolutely is a hall of famer. Okay. Not to totally derail here. Is Chase Utley a hall of famer? In my book, a hundred percent. Oh, of course. But I'm saying objectively is Chase Utley a hall of famer. I can't tell you objectively. <laughs> I would say he is, even though I did love him when I was a little kid. Uh, but I would say he probably should be, and he just won't be because he didn't have the longevity necessary. Anyways, that's enough baseball talk. Let's get back to the Flyers. That's enough baseball talk, and I, I can't... I, you know, baseball just hurts my head anymore because the Phillies are just so up and down and just blow my mind. They're tied 3-3 three to three at the Brewers right now, and they're in one of the most just painful pennant races I can remember. But let's not talk about them. We are not here to talk about them. We are here to talk about apparently a divisive guy, which I never thought this guy would be divisive. But here we are in the year 2021 describing Mark Recchi as divisive. 602 games played as a flyer, 232 goals, 395 assists, 627 points. The most points of anybody on this list and the record holder for most points in a single season by a Philadelphia flyer. Mark Recchi might be hated by Kelly Hinkle and apparently Eamon Smith, but 
I think this guy is absolutely a Flyers Hall of Famer, and it's a mat. Again, it is a matter of when, not if. I just so I don't hate Mark Ricky, but I don't think that his case is as strong as a lot of people are kind of making it out to be. Um, particularly in comparison to some of these guys, my my main thing is like you look at the people who are Flyers Hall of Famers, right? They. I know that, like, Mark Recchi technically played the majority of his career in Philadelphia, right? Played three more seasons in Philadelphia than anywhere else. Yeah, but when I think of the Flyers Hall of Fame, I think of people who, like, are lifers, right? Or if you asked a fan just kind of around the league about Mark Recchi, would they think of him in a Flyers uniform is kind of my question here. Because, like, Simone Gagne, yes, easy. Paul Holmgren. Everybody thinks of him as the Flyers GM. Who the hell else would he be associated with? Lou Nolan, again, another case. Bob Kelly, another one, right? Uh, Mark Howe, Bob Clark, Eric Lindros. Nobody's, like, thinking about these guys as, oh, well, they did play for X or X. I think a lot of people, if you'd ask them, not maybe the majority of people. I still think possibly the majority of people would say that, oh, he was on the Flyers, right, when they were really good. Um, But... A lot of people would say Penguin, and a lot of people would say Bruin, and he played for a bunch of different teams. So I I feel like in a way that kind of weakens his case, just not like by any fault of his own, but just because he's not a guy who is singularly identified as a Philadelphia Flyer, whereas for the most part, the rest of these guys on this list are, and I'd, I'd say that's kind of my issue with him, rather than it being... Kelly's pretty irrational hatred of him, which seems to be driven by a couple of things, but mostly she thinks that he's like entirely responsible for Bill Barber getting fired. Eh. I, which like I don't lose didn't everybody hate him? <laughs> I don't I don't really lose a lot of sleep over that, but that's just me. I, I don't know. I I think that's an unfair ar- I get the argument, but I think it's unfair to Mark Recchi because I think not only did he play the majority of his career in, as with the Philadelphia Flyers, 10 years is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, yeah. But the guy was fantastic for the Flyers, and he was on one of the best-named lines in Flyers history. The Crazy oh, yeah, the Eights. Crazy eights. Brett Fettick, Eric Lindros, and Mark Recchi, one of the great-named lines in Flyers history, if not hockey history. I mean, that alone should have on one of the banners up in the, the rafters, right? But I don't know. He's just a fantastic Flyer, and... The guy had the most points in a single season of any That's Philadelphia true. Flyer, and that really, that alone is a great argument to honor him. I think he's just, he's going to be up there, frankly, if he has to wait a year or two, that's whatever, but I think he's going to be up there eventually. Now, this last guy, I also feel the same way, and you mentioned guys you think of in a Flyers uniform. This also, this guy also played for quite a few teams. I know, but... he played for a couple different teams, but I think... You say this name, people think Philadelphia Flyer, for for a couple of reasons. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Tockett, 621 games played in the orange and black, 232 goals, 276 assists, 508 points. And again, countless fights, countless times, getting a bunch of blood on his orange and black jersey. I... You know, when I think of Rick Tockett, I think of him without a helmet, his nose bleeding, his jersey bloodied, and like... You know, just right after a fight. That's how I think Rick Tockett. Yeah, Rick Tockett 
was Wayne Simmons before Wayne Simmons was Wayne Simmons, right? He's that dude. He holds the NHL record for the most Gordie Howe hat tricks in a career. Um, he is the epitome of what people like. If you drew up a perfect hockey player for a Flyers fan to be the captain, I feel like Rick Tockett is the dude. Uh, he fights people. He scores goals, right? That's that's all you can ask for. And he did both of those for a really long time in a Flyers uniform. He was part of those great '80s teams. You know the not they weren't called like the Whiz Kids or anything. They didn't get a fun nickname like the Phillies did, but. The, the 1980 team that nobody really expected to be all that good and then ended up going to the Stanley Cup final. He was part of that. Uh, he was a captain at one point of the Flyers, although I think it was only for like a season or two, right? But he was he was a leader in the Flyers organization for a very long time. And then, I mean, he ends up winning his cup in Pittsburgh, if I recall correctly, which sucks. But if I also remember correctly, he didn't go there of his own accord. I think the Flyers traded him there. Uh, so that 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 kind of makes it where it's like, you know, this isn't a guy who abandoned Philly to go play for Pittsburgh to win a championship. This is a dude who just kind of ended up there. See, I, I, can't hold too, I, I can't hold too many grudges against guys who leave and sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins because John LeClaire did that. And granted, he did that after the Flyers bought him out and didn't bring him back, but... You know, Johnny Vermont signed with the Penguins. I'm not going to begrudge anybody else because Johnny Vermont's one of my favorite players of all time. So I, you know, I'm a hypocrite if I'm judging anybody else for that. Uh, but <laughs> I, I will judge true. current Penguin Jeff Carter, who we'll get to in a, a few minutes. But uh, uh, Jeff, <laughs> we got some comments on that. Oh, we got some juicy news on that. But regardless, Tockett had a nice... Uh, basically the Flyers were the bread on his NHL sandwich where he started with the Flyers, then he played for the Penguins, the Kings, the Bruins, the Capitals, the Coyotes, and then the Flyers once again from 22 to 92. The 92 is still very jarring to remember him with 92, but technically I saw more games live with him wearing 92 than 22. Yeah, that's kind of wild. I, I think we forget, like, Rick Tockett was the dude for a little bit, like, not the dude, the dude, but, like, if you were a Flyers fan and you wanted to buy a jersey, Rick Tockett was, like, one of the two guys or three guys you would go get their jersey. I mean, probably Brian Prop is your number one dude from the 80s. He's the player of the decade. Uh, and then, how am I completely blanking on his name? Probably the best, most consistent goal scorer in Flyers history. I'm just completely John, John LeClaire. <laughs> no, not John LeClaire. 80s, scored 80s, 50 Tim goals. Kerr. Tim Kerr. Tim Kerr. Who couldn't skate. So he's he's Matt Strom, but 80s, so he was good. Well, uh, <laughs> more like he also couldn't stay healthy. I mean, that's unfortunately one of the biggest problems with Tim Kerr's career is that he just couldn't stay healthy and miss some pivotal moments in Flyers history, and it sucks. We don't talk but, about that. That's fine. We don't talk about that. Tim All Kerr's well. one of the best. He, you know, that game against the Rangers is still an all-timer. Yeah, um, but like Rick, like Rick Tockett was like the third dude on that team at least, and he was with the Flyers for a good chunk of the 80s. Um, Six-round draft pick uh, kind of doesn't get talked about enough. Like, yeah, he played almost a decade, like eight years with the Flyers to start his career and then came back towards the very end and played another three seasons uh, with varying degrees of participation. So that's that's a dude to me where it's like he chose to come to Philly at the end of his career and he he kind of epitomizes what it is to be a Flyer. So similar to how... You know, Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons, in the grand scheme of things, like, 
didn't play an insane amount of seasons with the Flyers. Like he played a nice amount of seasons with them. But would you like say that Wayne Simmons isn't a clear Flyers Hall of Famer? Because I feel like he's a slam dunk, right? Oh, he's a slam dunk. So Rick Tockett, by extension, in my opinion, kind of is because they're both that dude where it's like they do all the stuff that we associate with the identity of the franchise. I think all these guys are slam dunks, frankly. It's as I've said, it's a matter of if not when or not. Not I'm sorry. It's a matter of when, not if. And I think all these guys are tremendous flyers. I really think they should put two in this year. And one of them has to be Lou Nolan because Lou Nolan has been doing this for so long that he needs this now. Like, give this to Lou Nolan. And if I was going to do one more, this is an interesting question from a Flyers PR standpoint, because ultimately these are kind of PR moves at the end of the day. So do you want to go with a guy who's an old school bully, like Bob Kelly, Paul Holmgren from that era? Or do you want to go with somebody who bridges the gap a little more, maybe appease some of the more close to middle age fans? And I'm going to call myself a middle age fan with a recce or tocket. Or do you want to go, well, I guess Gagne kind of appeals more to the approaching middle-age crowd right there, the elder millennials, if you will, like me. So Gagne and Recky are guys that, from my youth, were big names. They were big flyers for me. I I would say that I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being Lou Nolan and Simone Gagne. But again, you really could go with any of these guys. I think that's my easy two, is Gagne Nolan, because... This, this is a good point that Charlie's made, but I, I kind of thought the same thing too, even prior to him saying it. If you go by a decade, like who's the face of the Flyers franchise for that decade, right? So if you go to the 70s, it's obviously Bobby Clark. If you go to the 80s, it's one of Brian Prop or Kerr. And then if you go to the 90s, that's kind of where it gets a little bit... Well, that that's not too murky because, I mean, Lindros, right? Lindros, uh, LeClaire, Brindamore, Dejardin, exactly. who are all in there already. Yeah, and like, I mean, but Lindros is the dude, right? He's the dude. And then for the 2010s, it's Giroux. Who's the guy for the 2000s? Who's the guy who was around for that whole time, who was a good player that whole time, who had some really productive seasons? And the two guys are Simone Gagne and Keith Primo. Yeah, and Primo had like one really good season and then was a 40 point player afterwards. Gagne had multiple productive seasons, was a 40 goal scorer, had a great playoff run late in his career with the Flyers, came back to them later when he didn't really have to after they had kind of screwed him over. So all of these different things just kind of make me look at Gagne and say, he's my clear pick. He's got the most games played with the Flyers on this list out of anybody besides Bob Kelly He's more productive than Bob Kelly was in a lower scoring era. He's he's that dude. I think a whole generation of Flyers fans really fondly remembers Simon Gagne. I know myself, I came in on the tail end of his career, but I love Gagne just because of that 2010 playoff run. He was fantastic in it, and he came up at some really big moments. Uh, he has some of the clutchest goals in Flyers history, or at least recent Flyers history. So... I, I think Gagne is the easy player pick. And then Lou Nolan absolutely has to get in. Like, how is he not at this point? Ridiculous. He's the only person I would be upset if they didn't put up there this year. It's Lou Nolan. Absolutely. Like, the dude has been with the team for forever, literally since their inception. And then, I mean, not to be like morbid or weird or anything, but he's getting older. Yes, I was wanna... thinking about this too. I was definitely thinking about this. You might want to, you know, give him the opportunity to enjoy this. I wouldn't be 
if if that's kind of the sentiment we're going with, I wouldn't be against doing Bob Kelly and Lou Nolan this year either, because both of them are kind of older guys. You want to make sure that they can enjoy this celebration of their careers while they're still in good health and can make it to the event. And uh, now the, the only question there is it's a COVID year. So like, is there going to be a full capacity crowd for this? Um, you know, are they going to be at health risk doing any of that? That's the only implications I could see where it's like, ah, maybe we don't want to do this this year because we want to have a packed house to celebrate Lou Nolan and Bob Kelly. Right. But Bob Kelly, just to like 60 and older crowd, <laughs> it's just 60 and older allowed in the building for Bob Kelly. Yeah. Like all the people uh, who watch old the head Bill night. That's how you'd say to Philadelphia. It's old head night. <laughs> Yeah, like all, all the people who were around for that 67 Cup Parade, they're just like, I remember when uh, the Flyers were good. <laughs> oh, I You know, I don't want to give up that much of my life, but man, I would love to have that memory of a Stanley Cup Parade in Philadelphia. Oh, absolutely. I would trade that shit for being old in a second. That'd be cool. <laughs> so you have a lot more to give up than me. I'm, I mean, I'm already old in spirit, Steve. We've been That's over true. This. That's true. We have been over that. But yeah, I think I think Gagne, Nolan are my two, and then I like Tockett. I like Holmgren too. I think Holmgren would be a really funny induction because people there would be so many takes on Twitter about that. Uh, that'd be pretty fucking hilarious. But I don't expect him to get in just because he's currently part of the organization. Um, that'd be kind of weird. But yeah, Gagne, Gagne, Nolan, and then maybe Tockett. I think Recky needs to wait. I feel like I put Recky sort of in the same standing as Briere, where it's like they just feel a little weird to me. Um, I'd be okay with having them in the Flyers Hall of Fame, but I just don't know whether or not I'd be like totally comfortable with that. If you kind of get what I'm saying, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. What you're saying here, and I mean, it was really weird when I went to an alumni game a few years back and. Briere and Kimo Timonen were playing in that game. It was just surreal for me to see those guys playing in alumni games. And uh, Gagne is also one of those guys who's made the rounds quite a bit. I mean, the one I went to where they played, they pretty much had all-star alumni roster for the Flyers. Uh, I didn't know anybody on the friggin' Penguins, but the Flyers, with the exception of Todd Fedorik playing on the Briere-Gagne line, had an all-star lineup that night. And it's so weird for me to think of these guys who are relatively young as these these alumni but they are and that's just where we're at right now but yeah i agree it's it's important to maybe honor these guys when they are physically there to accept these honors and it probably should be bob kelly and lou nolan for that reason yeah maybe i don't know you want to feel really old here every day so a guy who's a class older than me two classes older than me uh at auburn here uh who plays hockey was talking to me the other day about alabama's club team or their like d1 club team i don't remember what the exact classification of them is but he was like yeah we played them a while back and they had danny Breer's kid and I was just like, oh, man, that's kind of wild. That <laughs> Like Danny Briere's kid is right around the same age as me. And uh, his other kid was at like Flyers uh, training camp or rookie camp or whatever uh, a couple years back. He went to Arizona State and played hockey there, too. So just just making you feel extra decrepit right now. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just one, you know, one hard hit away from crumbling into dust right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I that's that's kind of all I really have to say about the Flyers Hall of Fame. There's not that much like nuance to the debate there, unless you're Kelly, in which case there's literally zero nuance to the debate. It's everybody else should get in except Mark Recchi. Fuck Mark Recchi. <laughs> well, you know, them's the breaks right there. I I, I disagree, but whatever. It, Speaking of Mark... Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> oh, there we go. I, <laughs> Look at know, that segue. <laughs> that's It's so funny to me just because I bet if I asked Pittsburgh Steve right now, if he thought of Mark Recchi as a Pittsburgh Penguin, he'd say no. Yeah, because, like, he was, like, what, a second and third for, line dude? He played for, like, every team in the NHL, and just the Flyers were the longest. But, anyway, let's talk about the Penguins' current, current woes right now, because this blew my mind. This news came out late this afternoon that Sidney Crosby is out six weeks with a wrist injury right at the beginning of training camp. I mean, oh, no. it's still better than happening in this. Oh, no. Oh, what a shame. So sad. Sorry. Why would they announce this now at the beginning of training camp and not, I don't know, any time over the summer? Because apparently they were looking for minimally, minimally invasive options, according to our good friend Ronald. Yeah, it seems like they just sort of put this off trying to find a better solution or an easier solution where he would have less recovery time. And then now they're having to suck it up. Uh, but <laughs> seems like they probably just should have done the normal surgery so that the six-week timetable wouldn't be a big deal. But he's out for six weeks now, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not mad about it, that's for sure. I, I mean, is this part of Ronald Hextall's strategy to just tank the Penguins? Is this all just sabotage right here? I sure hope so. I don't think so. I think, unfortunately, Ron, I don't even know what to say about this because apparently Crosby's needed this for years. He needed this before Ron Hextall even interviewed to be the Pittsburgh Penguins GM. I, what? I don't... I don't understand. At any point over the past few years, he could have just gotten the surgery and instead nothing. He's still been freaking good without it. I, The timing on this is weird. And because Malkin, I believe, is still hurt, the Penguins might be entering the season with top line center Jeff Carter. Hell yeah, baby. Let's go. It's 2008 Jeff again. <laughs> Archibald Carter is going to step in there. I what what is Ron doing to the Penguins it's 2008 it's 2008 that's the year we're living in right now that's Jeff Carter still a top line player still very good I will say he was way better there last year than I expected I oh dude be... it was stunning I thought he was gonna be like the 3c that just kind of eight minutes and didn't do too much he was really good and it made me sad uh because I really like Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter is fun. I like Jeff Carter, too. I was always a fan. I was sad to see him just kill it with the Penguins. He was awesome. He was really good in the playoffs for them. I hated it, but hopefully he sucks this year because he's getting pretty old for a hockey player. Like, he's about my age, but he might as well be at retirement age in hockey terms. We're, we're talking about another guy who the only reason that he won't get into the Flyers Hall of Fame is because he is a career Pittsburgh Penguin with his like 20 something games with him. That's, that's the reason not, you I know, mean, he probably is a career LA King at this point, which is weird to think about. Yeah. We, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, Cause that makes me think about Richards and Carter winning Stanley cups, other places. And that doesn't make me happy. So, and this, this podcast is all about happiness. We, we do not wallow in the sadness that is the flyers. <laughs> we, we could wallow in the sadness, but we don't, me, but <laughs> 
I mean, compared to other podcasts, we don't wallow very much because other podcasts will wallow quite a bit. But when we feel sad, we decide it's time to talk about Guy Fieri and Donkey Sauce and music videos from long ago. What's really funny is I say that, but today's game, we're going to have to spend some time thinking about really shitty players in this team's history. So I guess we will have a second to be kind of sad that we had to watch some of these guys play hockey. Oh, boy. So. Do you want to do you want to hop into that right now? I know it's let's the next do it. Let's outline. jump right in because All we right. don't need this one to go two hours. Although I we might beat out my auction draft at this point. I'm not sure. We're running out of material. We might end up ending the show on this. We, we well, listen, talk every, about some everybody's out of fake money in this draft right now, so it's finally <laughs> starting to move. Today's game is called Pick Your Poison. It's the Ooh. first game that we've played on Flyperbole since the Great Wall of Shitty Defensemen of the Claude Giroux era naming all of those different players um so what i've assembled is the five best and the five worst single season wins above replacement values at forward defense and goalie so we have 10 players at each position right and what we're going to have to do is assemble a starting five but I'm going to make it a rule that you have to pick at least two of the shitty players, right? You have to pick two of the worst. So you can make your best starting lineup or you can just make an all train wreck starting lineup if you want to. (laughs) But I I just think it's fun to look at, even if you don't believe that the wins above replacement stats are accurate, which I know a lot of people are like, ew, numbers. I think it's entertaining to just kind of look at how they weight out the best seasons Um, My rules on here were just you need a minimum of 60 games played as a skater. For the best goalies, I wanted starting goaltenders, so I put 42 games. And then I I was trying to do, like, you had to be a starter and a shitty starter. But the thing is, a lot of the guys who had really terrible seasons didn't end up playing 42 games the majority of the season uh, because they were so bad that they ended up losing the starting gig or getting rotated with, like, three other dudes. So... Going down the list here, we have the best forwards by wins above replacement. 2017-2018, Claude Giroux, that MVP season that he didn't win the MVP. 2017-2018, Couturier, which was his big breakout year. 2010-2011, Jeff Carter. Penguins 1C, Jeff Carter. 2013-2014, Jakub Voracek. And 07-08, Mike Richards. Worst, we have 2013-2014, Zeke Grimaldo, who made up for his negative one and a half wins above replacement by being our leader uh 2017 2018 val filpula just made me sick every time i watched him oh valterio filpula he's here to cheer up your day let me tell you still you still have to buy that jersey it's it's on the docket uh 2008 2009 a name that we often forget daryl pow pow uh 2014 2015 rj umberger Ugh. And then 2015, 2016, everybody's favorite, Chris Vandevelde. Salsa Verde. So then, defenders, we have best 2010, 2011, Matt Carl, who analytics oh, seem to love. I'm sure other people might disagree with that one. 07, 08, Braden Coburn. 09, 10, Chris Pronger. 2016, 2017, Radko Gudis, who is an interesting feature on this list. Probably on here just because he shot the puck like crazy, so his uh, shot <laughs> possession metrics were really good. And Spoiler then, warning, no thanks. Yeah, I'm not going to take him either. 
Uh, and then 2017, 2018, Shane Gosper, uh, that big 60 point season. So worst 2018, 2019, Bobby, the big hits, Hague. Bobby, big Hague. <laughs> 20, 2016 2017 Shane Goss despair so you could have both Shane Goss on your team oh double see, the ghost double the that's fire. one of the few repeat players on here just because he played over 60 games and was terrible uh Sean O'Donnell from 2010 2011 oh man <laughs> what a blue line that was uh 2016 2017 man dog ugh and then 2015-2016, career twilight, Mark Street. Oh, so, boy. Oh, man. I, you know. When he couldn't skate. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, only negative 0.5 war for that couldn't skate season. Yeah, so there you go. Best goalie seasons. 2014-2015, Steve Mason with five wins above replacement. That was the year that he finished third in Vezina voting. He was pretty goddamn good that year. He kind of oh, carried wow. the Flyers to the playoffs. Uh, 2010-2011, Sergei Bobrovsky, what could have been. 2008-2009, Martin Biron. 2019-2020, Carter Hart. And then, numbers lie, 2011-2012, Ilya Brzgalov. He is not one of the best Flyers goalies of the past <laughs> decade. There is no way. There is no way. Brian Elliott has to be better than him. You would think, but, you know, why you have to be mad? I guess I guess I don't have a good answer for that, do I? Um, worst, 2020, 2021, Carter Hart had the do least not valuable correct. season. Do not correct your, your misspelling on the last one, FYI. Oh, okay. Do not correct it. I love it. Okay. 2020, 2021, Brian Elliott. 2016, 2017, Michael Neuwirth, who... It's kind of it's kind of surprising that he's on this list. Uh, I think he was like three of the four least valuable or five least valuable seasons. He was on there. Did he even Something play like two that. games that season? Yeah, like Glassman. Um, I think he had like sixteen or something like that. Another name from the depths: 2018-2019, Cal Pickard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who we all forgot about. Um, and then last but not least, 2014-2015, Ray Emery. So this is the list we are working with in the spirit of fantasy drafts being topical here, given your current predicament. Uh, I feel like this is a good game to play. I will give you first pick since I am a good sport and we will just alternate. Thanks, pal. My first pick is going to be 2017-18 Claude Giroux. Wow, I am stunned by that. (laughs) I'm going to go with 2014-2015 Steve Mason. Oh, wow. Okay. So, all right. So I have to get, uh, just to review this. You need, you need to have at least two of the shitty players in your starting lineup. So you're going to have three forwards, two defensemen and a goalie. Okay. Well, let's load up on the old, actually, no, let's go with, uh, let's go with 0910 Chris Pronger for my second pick because that's one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. That's. You kind of stole my guy there. Uh, <laughs> I will go with hmm, 2017-2018 Sean Couturier. That's a good one. I almost went with that instead. All I right. Went with that. You're up. Okay. So I got one more good one to take. Yes. Let's Same with see. me. 
who am I going to pick? I am going to go with, you know, I'm going to have a lot of grit on my team here that I'm oh, making baby. up here. Let's go with 0708 Mike Richards. Yeah, I like it. I like it. This team has heart, uh, unlike the current Flyers owned. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So I've got my goalie. I've got my number one center. I need a defenseman here. Controversial pick. I will go with 2017-2018 Shane Goss despair, despite him being the lowest of the best players in terms of wins above replacement here. It was on my radar. Guy. All right, now we have to pick the shitty players. <laughs> pick your poison. All right. Hey, that's the name so of the I've game. got dose forwards, one defender so far. Let's go with... Ugh, I'm going to go with 2015-16 Mark Streit. Oh, good God. Okay. And he's got the least amount of negative war of the bunch and Chris Pronger can elevate anyone. I definitely misspoke. We have to pick three shitty players, not two, because if we only get three good players. Uh, so you're, you're picking 15, 16, Mark Strait. Okay. Yes, yes, that is you, my... You, you took my guy. Damn. Because <laughs> uh, I really... All oh, the rest of these dudes stink. Oh, they're um, terrible. I mean, watching Sean O'Donnell, that was a guy who looked like he was skating in concrete. <laughs> and I, I'm forced to pick from... Bobby Big Hits, Shitty Year Shane Goss Despair, Sean O'Donnell and Brandon Manning for my other defensemen. No. I have a clear one I would go with, but I I don't know. It's your your poison. Uh I I think I'd pick Shane Goss Despair again that here. I'm going double ghost just because like Ah, oh, but can I do that? Cause like even in you seventeen double ghost. I mean, yeah, but like even in seventeen eighteen, he was not great defensively, and then in sixteen seventeen, he was a train wreck defensively. <laughs> so like my team is just straight up not going to play defense. Now we have well, got Steve Sean Mason. Couturier. He'll play. We have Steve Mason. And we have Sean Couturier. So that'll help. But like, I don't know. But but is Sean O'Donnell going to fucking play defense? I don't know about that either. Yeah, screw it. We'll we'll do double ghost. Double oh, ghost. There back we end. go. I love it. Double I've ghost. I've made I'd made a clone. We have good ghost and his evil twin. Deuce ghosts. I like it. Alright, so I need one more forward and a goalie. Yes. My Well, you already <laughs> have, have fun goalie, with the goalies. So. Have fun with the goalies. I know here. I actually already know who I'm going with, but I'm gonna pick my forward first, so I, I okay, I know I'm going with. I'm going with 0809 Daryl Powell. Oh, good God. Okay. You know what? Daryl Powell was one of the least annoying, shitty forwards I've seen on this team. All right. So he is the lesser evil here. <sighs> you really, you really have left me slim pickings. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vandevelde, Umberger, Filpula, or Ronaldo? I think I've got to go with Umberger, right? Ugh. But like that that sucks, but I might I can't I can't take Umberger, but if you're going with Umberger it is your point. You'll take Filpula over Umberger? Do you remember so. how bad Val Filpula was? I remember how bad RJ Umberger was. I remember both of them being very shitty, but Val Filpula was terrible. And I I already have like a center who can maybe kinda carry RJ Umberger. I don't I don't have and shit, I have to pick two bad forwards, don't I? I do. Damn it. Okay. I might as well just finish it out. I'll take I'll take Umberger and I'll take Zeke. 
<laughs> there we go. So Sean Couturier. You're going to get has, some hits. Has completely, he's got like PTSD because he's back to playing on a line with like just dog shit help. He's I mean, just having I think he might have played with those guys on a line. He played with Zach Ronaldo at least once, right? For like half a season. Oh, I know that. Absolutely. And then it was like him and uh, Meat Reed and Ronaldo. <laughs> And then now we've got Umberger on there too. So this is this is the throwback to like the post twenty twelve line. Okay, so I have one last pick. You right? have one pick. You got to take a goalie. I'm gonna oh, take I a know who I'm going here. with. I am going with Ram Emery, as you misspelled it here. Oh God, no. Razor Ray, rest in peace. I'm taking Ray Emery here, and he has no hips. He can't move side to side, but I'm taking him with this. <laughs> I, I probably should have gone with Brian Elliott from this past season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what my pick was because it's like, okay, if you got to pick a dude on this list to win you one game, Brian Elliott, when he's not running to the ground, this season was actually pretty good. So, like... But if I lose, Ray Emery's going to beat the shit out of everybody on your yeah, other So, team. it'll at least be fun. It'll at least be fun with Ray Emery, right? Don't you want to see Ronaldo fight Ray Emery? Oh, that would be classic. Yes. Or Steve Mason fight Ray Emery. Oh, that... That that is <laughs> that would work out just as well as Holtby. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Oh baby. Okay, now between these two teams, we we may feel free to argue here. Who do you feel like actually would win a game if it was just you have one period of play? These two teams have to play against each other. Who's going to take the cake? Hmm. I have a feeling you win easily. I think I win based on the fact that I have Chris Pronger back there. So. While I have shitty goaltending, you're going to have a tough time getting back there between the corpse of Mark Streit and Chris Pronger. (laughs) And Claude Giroux and Mike Richards are going to have some pretty nice scoring in there. I mean, Richards isn't exactly the scoring guy, but he's great on faceoffs and great defensively. And Claude Giroux, I mean, that's the peak of his powers right there. That's just an unstoppable Claude Giroux right there. And Daryl Powell is basically a cardboard cutout of a hockey player. (laughs) Now, for your team... Sean Couturier is an absolute stud. That is phenomenal. I think that's the one forwards? area besides goalie I have a clear advantage, but I don't know about the rest of this. Yeah, so who are your other forwards again? So... <laughs> Ronaldo, right? Ronaldo and Umberg. That's rough. That is absolutely rough. You have Steve Mason at the peak of his powers, which is really great, and I, I still think... I think peak Claude Giroux is beating peak Steve Mason. Yes, and I, I think how it's going to happen is shitty Shane Gostaspare is diving down to block a shot and Claude Giroux is going to bank it off of his ass skate and into the net (laughs) because Steve Mason had more accidental self goals than any other Flyers goaltender I've ever seen. It felt like every puck was bouncing off of a Flyers defenseman and deflecting into the net on Steve Mason. That that sounds about right. So my, my last question, if we were picking a third team here from the leftovers, who who would be kind of the guys that you'd go with? Because you have 2010-2011 Jeff Carter, 13-14 Voracek. Um, we're not going to talk about the shitty guys, but uh, Matt Carl, Braden Coburn, Gudis, um, and then Bob, Biron, Hart, Brzgalov. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not going to pick Briz. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I would not. I mean, of those goaltenders, I'm a big fan of Bob from 10 to 11. Not everybody's the biggest. He rode in uh, 08, 09, I think, is kind of a sneaky good pick here, too, because he was pretty great. 
I agree. Old Blue Eyes Barone was, you know, he was actually a pretty nice flyer. And I really, I liked him back there for a while. He was never a rock solid number one, but he was a pretty good, like, alternating guy. And I think he, he, he was underrated. Yeah. Any, any names on here that kind of surprised you how high they were, how low they were? I mean, Brzgalov's an obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Biron, as you said, I, I think seeing, well, seeing anybody under the worst there for the goaltending is not a surprise to me. Uh, I'm surprised Sean O'Donnell's not worse. I'm surprised Brandon Manning's not worse. Uh, let's see. So, so disclaimer here, Brandon Manning, I think had like the third or second worst season by a defenseman in terms of value, but he didn't play 60 games that year. So because of that qualifier, I didn't include him that high. Um, But then of course he had another absolutely horrendous season that fell on the list anyway. So it was okay. Um, Surprisingly, Chris Vandevelde wouldn't have gotten on here either. If it weren't for that 60 game rule, Uh, there were a couple of other people in front of him. I was kind of shocked by that. Uh, and Yori Laterra, nowhere to be found on that list, by the way. I'm legitimately shocked that Matt Carl's best season was better than Chris Pronger's best flyer season. That is shocking to me. So I think the possession numbers didn't really like Pronger that much that year, but Pronger scored at a really good clip um, and didn't allow that many goals against, so the model was okay with him. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that Coburn and Carl are so far above him is kind of surprising. This is a good example of like how I love analytics. I think they're a very helpful tool, but sometimes you do have to kind of look at the game and evaluate it with your eyes. In this case, I would say clearly 29 or 20, 2009, 2010, Chris Pronger, most valuable defenseman on that list, which is why he was going to be the first defenseman off the board for me before you so rudely <laughs> snagged him. I mean, he's, he's just the man. I mean, there's been no other Flyers defenseman in my lifetime, like Chris Pronger. And the fact that he only joined the Flyers when he did and only got to play a few seasons is a tragedy to me because he was amazing. He was such an asshole, and I loved it. He's on that list of guys who were just kind of born to be a Philadelphia Flyer, right? It's just a shame that he didn't play more of his career with them. But, like, that's, I mean, looking at your team, I didn't even realize this. You've got three captains. I love leadership. And then also you've got Ray Emery, who's like the all-heart goalie. I pretty much picked a heart and soul team. Yeah, pretty much. And then meanwhile, I'm over here. I just picked a bunch (laughs) of guys who were just furious about losing and Mark Strait. I've got uh, legend R.J. Umberger, legend Zeke Romaldo, who is the heart and soul of my team. Of course. Noted loser asshole Steve Mason, um, (laughs) who was always terrible. Don't let anybody tell you different. Uh, He was actually quite good. Uh, And then... Uh, Sean Couturier, who I guess is like fine, uh, in the eyes of people, you know, now that he's scoring, but before now, terrible, only scored like 30, 40 points a year. Never mind his line mates. He's a bust. He'll never be good. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good game though. I I enjoyed that. I think, uh, having those breakdown, I I feel like we should do something like this again soon because I, I like having to make those picks with especially the bad players that I just hated so it's it's nice to have to pick the old poison right there i've got i've got a couple of ideas on how we can put a twist on that game and my thought is when we get to that halfway mark of the season with the current flyers roster we will do this again where we will rank the best and the worst players on the current team and then create a starting lineup out of them following these rules so 
that that's kind of what I'm thinking we can go with here. But I don't I don't really have anything else to do with this game tonight. I just thought that would be a fun thing to throw in here, seeing as there's not an abundance of Flyers news this week. No, no, there definitely is not an abundance of Flyers news. The fact that we have anything to talk about is kind of a miracle, but and I'll take that. I don't want to talk about, I've got, I have a small note about the Phillies here. Uh, they continue to have the most frustrating pennant race ever, and they're down four to three to the Brewers right now, so it continues to frustrate me. Let's briefly talk about the Eagles season about to start. and that's Go why Birds! Been, Go Birds! They are going to suck. I oh, hope they terrible. won't. But man, they are going to suck. I just love that people are already talking themselves into Jalen Hurts being the dude. Like, they are just like, well, you know, if this happens and this happens, Jalen Hurts I'm, the I'm dude. I'm on that list. Don't be too mean to me. Come on now. I, <laughs> I, I realize completely that it's just me trying to cope with reality that the Eagles are going to be shit this year and I'm going to have to watch them be shit again this year. And it's a throwback to the end of the Chip Kelly era. But uh, yeah, no, Jalen Hurts is the guy and I bought a shirt with him and Devontae Smith on it. That's like NBA Jam style. Um, And yeah, he's going to be the quarterback for the next decade and a half and lead the Eagles to 20 Super Bowls. Oh, there we go. don't, Don't count that up. The math makes sense. Trust me. I'm holding you to that. We're going to, you know, talk in a year and see how it's going. Look, I hope he does well. I want to do well, but I I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel great, but hey, I'm always hoping for the best. Go birds. I'm optimistic. And what are you looking forward to as far as like, what, what's your, your game rituals? Like, what are you, what are you going to be doing on Sunday? So I, I do this with pretty much every sport. My kind of. I don't want to... Yeah, yeah, it's a superstition. Uh, I, I didn't want to say that, but that's absolutely what it is. Is every article of clothing I am wearing needs to be team colors. All the way down to the underwear and the socks, right? Um, and if it can have team like logo or whatever on there or be associated with a player, all the better. So I will probably be wearing my Super Bowl Champs t-shirt, my hoodie, my Super Bowl Champs hoodie... Uh, my Carson Wentz jersey, which don't tell me it's cursed. It's not. <laughs> one of cursed. three. Cursed. One of three Eagles hats or an Eagles beanie. Carson Wentz, by the way, got picked in this draft, but it's only because the league has two quarterbacks starting. I uh, got you. Well, maybe he'll be good. Maybe. I don't know. I hope he is just good enough to play enough games to get the Eagles a first round draft pick. That's kind of where I stand because formerly Carson Wentz, my favorite player in the NFL. Now, not so much. So. But yeah, so that I've got my lucky eagle socks that my buddy gave to me uh, in my sophomore year of high school when we won the Super Bowl. Uh, so that's pretty neat. I wore those all year that year, and that was the first year that I had them. So I considered them my lucky socks, and I'll be wearing like black eagles pants. And wow, yeah, you, so you so are hardcore. That. You got it all. Yeah, I mean, you should see. This is, this is kind of what I do is that's, that's why I like, if I like buy dinner for somebody or whatever, uh, or give my money away and they're just like, Oh, like I can't take this or whatever. I'm like, trust me, I would either spend this on hockey jerseys or like other gear. So you're just saving me from wasting my money. Um, (laughs) like Notre Dame the other day I had Notre Dame shirt, Notre Dame sweatshirt, Notre Dame hoodie, Jersey hat uh pajama pants socks uh and 
like dark blue underwear. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I don't own like Notre Dame brand underwear or whatever, but I have black underwear for the Eagles and then blue for uh, Notre Dame. So yeah, like that's my tradition for any kind of game day for anything for the Flyers. I do this too. Um, I'm all the way decked out in pretty much everything I own. I'll rotate jerseys, but uh, that and then I'm going to be plopped down in my recliner and have the speakers kind of close to me so that I don't have to have the volume cranked. And I'll be eating burnt ends probably because there's a good barbecue place that I've discovered right across the train tracks from me um, that is reasonably priced and they make burnt ends and they are pretty tasty. So I will probably pick that up. Absolutely love burnt ends. That sounds like a great plan. I so I don't have a set uniform at this point. I, I probably will be either wearing my my Super John Champs shirt. Or I got a Kelsey jersey in the past in the past year, so I might be wearing that. All about that, Jason Kelsey. My, I mean, you know, what what other eagle could I love more than Jason Kelsey? Come on, he's he's a king. He's a hall of famer. He's gonna be a hall of famer. I'm he, manifesting it. He's a king. He's a, he's the best. Come on, who doesn't love Jason Kelsey? So uh, that'll probably be it. I'll probably I'll likely be at home cranking the sound. I'll probably make nachos. Nachos is one of my preferred game day snacks. And eh, maybe some wings. We'll see. Uh, there's a great barbecue place, Mike's Barbecue, over on 11th Street. I might check that, get something from them. But uh, we'll see oh, if baby. I feel like making the trek. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's that's pretty good. I consider going to this game on Sunday because, as you all know, I'm pretty close to the Falcons. Uh, so I thought you about making Steph a drive. Getting, some, get, getting denied at the Chick-fil-A in the stadium because they're never Is open Steph on Sunday, going to that game? I don't think so. I don't know. But I just know she she's in that uh, region. Yeah, uh, I, I thought about going, but I'm going to be working Saturday, like a 12-hour shift, so I'm going to be pooped, and I don't really feel like waking up at the crack of dawn in the morning to drive over to Atlanta and then get in the stadium, wait for the game to start. It's a noon game, get out late, come home, and then knock out homework. Um, that just seems like a little much for me with how much I'm juggling right now, so... Unfortunately, I will not be going, but fun part, uh, my roommate is a Falcons fan, one of my three roommates, so I will be giving him endless amounts of shit, although it's not like he'll actually care that much because the Falcons broke him long ago. (laughs) I can't even imagine being excited after they trade Julio Jones away. Oh my god, and the toughest part is, so uh, my other roommate, who I've known for a super long time, we've gone to school together for a while, uh... We're both from the same part of Tennessee. He's a Titans fan, obviously. So, like, he has to live with the fact that he's playing the Eagles in week one, right? And if the Eagles win, I'm never going to let him hear the end of it, um, even if it actually is completely meaningless in the scheme of things. doesn't matter. Uh, and then he has to watch Julio probably have, like, a bonker season with the Titans this year if he stays healthy. So... <laughs> He the gets Julio to bear witness to all of the above. Should be yeah. an interesting one. I mean, the guy's still got it. He's he's getting up there, but he's still got it. Dude, this Titans team is going to be fun. Like, that's kind of the only thing that's saving me from just total existential dread when it comes to watching the Eagles this year is I'm also going to get to root for the Titans a little bit. Even though they will never be my team, I'll, I'll be pulling for them and I'll root for them while they're on. And... Let me just say this. I've watched every single game of Derrick Henry's career, including the first preseason game of his career. I saw that in person. It's been a pleasure. 
like you don't get the chance to see that kind of thing very often so i'm i'm excited for that too that man is a monster like we were talking about guys who were born to be flyers like if derrick henry was an eagle he would be such a legend here for those stiff arms oh my god and like just the the fact that he gets better as the game goes like john riggins style is the thing that's kind of the most insane to me about him and then i mean like everything about derrick henry is fucking crazy the fact that he's rushed for 2000 yards at every level of his career the fact that uh he can just put people into the dirt like it's no big deal but also has track speed and is like 250 pounds that that man is a monster i can't believe he was a second round pick it's crazy. He's just, he's phenomenal. I love Derrick Henry. I, I wish he was an Eagle so bad, but you know, he's one of those guys I, I love watching, even though he's not on my team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got, we got shady for a little bit. That was fun. Oh, shady, shady was, was pretty incredible. awesome. Absolutely terrible human being, but phenomenal oh, yeah. football player. Oh yeah. I mean, look at that era of Eagles. Like you could say that about what half of them, half of the stars on that team, Riley Cooper, Oh uh, God, Riley! And the the worst part is they try that Chip Kelly tried to make it seem like Deshaun Jackson was the thug, was the piece of shit out of those guys, and like, no, well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair here, Djax in recent years, and by recent years I mean like literally last year, kind of proved to us that he can be a bit of a bonehead, right? Oh yeah, I know he can be a bonehead for sure. I'm not saying like, that he's like a thug. Kelly Kelly was like way out of line. The fact some that of the they they did. framed him for being in a gang was outrageous to yeah. me. Chip Kelly, may he never get another job again. I mean, what's sad is that he's doing a really good job at UCLA right now. So. I know. I just say, ugh, God. I know. I know you didn't want to talk college football because you said you have nothing to offer. For I have that, nothing. But... To, I went to Temple University. I don't, hey, I didn't te- Temple Rutgers! Oh my God! That, well, that game of the week. <laughs> that is pretty much like my temple experience, right? When I went to temple, I think they won three games over my four years there. Dude, unbelievable. How did you enjoy the Matt Rule era at the very least? Did you get to like have full appreciation for that? Oh, there was a good chunk of years where the temple was actually pretty good and I enjoyed that, but like largely, look, I went to temple. I don't really pay that close attention to college football for the most part. I have enjoyed a few games I've been to, uh, but it's just not you go to Auburn. It's a very different experience than, oh, yeah. than me going to Temple. Might might I share something cool that I got to do this week? Yes, uh, absolutely. Because it was, it was a pretty surreal experience. So for those who don't know, I am working a production job with the university, which is pretty cool. Um, and I was working my first football game. So I was like, oh, man, I wonder what they're going to do with me, right? I was under the impression that I was going to be in the stadium, but I was going to be up by like the giant ass Jerry world style scoreboard that they have on one of the ends of the stadium. And I was just going to be helping out up there as like an extra set of hands. I was on the sideline and was on the sideline the whole game and was like four or five feet away from a touchdown run, which is pretty nuts. Uh, I saw a dude almost get hit like right in front of me. And I, I can't even describe the feeling of being down on the ground when 80,000 plus people are all screaming in unison. It's pretty insane. So college football, maybe my second favorite sport behind the, uh, not the NHL. Well, yes, the NHL, but <laughs> I was about to say the NFL. I have completely. The NLL, the National here. Lacrosse League. We all uh, know big, big lacrosse guy, big LAX guy. But uh, no, I, I 
can't even describe like what a proper college football atmosphere feels like. So to our listeners who have never been to a packed house college football game, go do that because that's a once in a lifetime experience. It's kind of like going to the stadium series, right? It's just a different vibe. Oh, I'm still so glad I did that when it was at the link. Like I, I really hesitated when I saw the price of those tickets and I was like, uh, should I? But man, I don't regret a second of it. What a great experience in my life. There is nothing like a packed house. Like, those Eagles games I've been to, uh, I went to one really great Temple game in that regard. I went to uh, Temple UCLA bowl game down at old RFK Stadium in Washington. Oh, what baby. a piece of shit that was. Ugh. But I had a great time, even though Temple just fell apart in the second half. I There is nothing like a packed house that everybody's pumped. Like I, I, I think my best Eagles games, I went to... Doc's game where he came back when he was with the Broncos and that was yeah, electric. That's and a great one. The other great game I went to was 04 season when TO was here and they played the Vikings on Monday night football. So it was McNabb and TO against Culpepper and Moss and holy shit what a game that was. Like that's one of my top 5 sports games in general. That's just there's nothing like it being in that packed house with 70,000 plus and just everybody just screaming their face off yeah i i've got to say like eagles cowboys was a surreal experience too uh and i was all the way up in the nosebleeds right but that was fucking crazy that was the year that like greg ward jr was our number one receiver (laughs) (laughs) and like boston scott was the folk hero that year Wentz got knocked out the like first minute of the playoffs that doesn't sound like Carson Wentz. Uh, I, I don't want to dwell on that. That makes me sad. But yeah, like that was my first Eagles game ever. Uh, that was in the link. And we're booing like maniacs. My mom is looking at me like I'm a different human being. And just, man, I'm, I've missed live sports so much. And it was a great way to kind of open up the year for me by getting to be on the ground with everybody funneling the noise down into us particularly i don't know if you know anything about auburn traditions i think i've maybe filled you in once or twice on them but a little bit but uh, you know let's let every let's all the listeners uh, get in on this so before a game we do an eagle flight where the eagle circles the stadium everybody's like holding out uh our like university phrase or whatever that people use to greet each other is war eagle um so everybody's holding up the war part of it whoa like that uh and twirling their little shakers and getting really loud and then when the eagle dives down into the middle of the field they finish it they go eagle hay all at the same time okay and it's eighty thousand people like i think it's eighty eight thousand people that fit in jordan hare stadium and they're all doing that at once and it is ear splitting my ears were ringing after that um and it, it gave me like actual goosebumps and i'm not like a hardcore auburn fan or anything i support the team because i go here but i'm a notre dame <laughs> guy at heart um but that was that was one of the coolest things i've ever witnessed is like that uh, my top five are probably that uh eagles cowboys um i'd probably say the predators beating the blues in game six to go to the Western conference final for the first time ever. I was on the glass for that. That's probably my number one moment ever. And then, uh, watching Philip Forsberg in back-to-back games, get hat tricks. I was at both of those. So that was pretty great. 
Oh man, if I actually had to count down the top five, I'll try to do this real fast since we uh, we got to wrap up. But we're running long here, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, not compared to the usual in the show, but you know, for what we have. But okay, so I definitely in my top five is the Bruins Flyers game four, where the comeback started in twenty two thousand nine twenty ten. Just a phenomenal experience. That's a goodie. The Gagne goal. The Gagne goal, despite the fact that Dr. Mark Recchi tried to screw up the comeback by the Flyers and tied the game up at the last second. But Gagne, See, he's a fake Flyer. He's a no, fake he's a, Flyer. He's, a, he's still a, a true one. Flyer. But no, shut up, Gagne won that game, and it was wonderful. So that's up there. I would say the Stadium Series is absolutely up there for me. That yeah, yeah. just sloppy rain. We had such a great time despite the fact and like the atmosphere was so electric it was awesome um that eagles vikings monday nighter absolutely up there (sighs) phillies is tough i've been to so many phillies games it's hard to even say i guess it could be when i was uh on top of the dugout and the fanatic sat on me and uh you know (laughs) all that i remember you telling this story i'm not recounting that one again but it's I don't know if that, but I don't know if that counts because it's just like, as a fan, I don't remember any details except for the fanatic traumatizing my young body. That sounds wrong. The fanatic traumatizing my young self. But, you know, I mean, I went to some, you know what it is for the Phillies? My Phillies is the, I guess my bottom two out of that are when I, I went to two games in the 07 Mets series when they swept the Mets and I went on, I think the second night when Chase Utley came back from a long injury and hit a couple dingers. And that was amazing. And then I came back two nights later when they were going for the sweep and tension was high and (laughs) ended on, ended on a controversial call at second involving, I believe Marlon Anderson and some Mets fans tried to fight me. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, good times gotta compensate for the fact that pat burrell owns your team with that and chase utley those two and chase utley. joint chase owners utley. just like the Wilpons. listen those teams i mean i it's so hard to remember like i went to so many phillies games during the 07 08 09 runs i mean going down to invading washington was amazing it's the oh yeah been... yeah <laughs> and then now they're like oh keeping phillies fans down or whatever isn't that hard and it's like yeah we know our team sucks ass we, but we beat them every time stadium now. <laughs> It's the only time it's the only time the Phillies win is when the Washington Nationals talk shit on them. Then they're like, okay, we're going to come have some comeuppance for the Washington Nationals. But I mean, that was pretty awesome. I don't know. I have a million Phillies memories. It's hard to go through them all. I remember I went to a great Pedro Martinez game. I can't even remember the fact that Pedro Martinez played like that one quarter of a season as a Philly is still crazy to me. I didn't even know that. I just remember him as a Red Sox. 2009 season. And it was great because he was a very well-known Met and to come and play for the Phillies in a pennant run was hilarious. I really enjoyed it. Dude, anything to torture the Mets. Fuck that team. I I still think we, we have, we have slight kinship here between the, uh, the Mariners and the Phillies because the Mariners, as you may know, are responsible for the Robinson Cano for Jared Kelnick trade, (laughs) which is still one of the funniest things in recent Mets history because Robinson Cano immediately sucked and then basically quit. Uh, And then Jared Kelnick has gone on to become one of the best prospects in baseball. And the Mets traded him away for a dude with a huge contract who didn't want to play. That's a shame. Ah, What a shame. What a shame. 
Well, we're going to end on a sad note again, and I just wanted to give a quick shout out, a rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. One of the great actors dead at 54, real tragic. And look, I know this isn't hockey related at all, but when has that ever stopped me before? Never. I, this is, I mean, Michael K. Williams is one of the rawest, realest actors out there. And I think it showed in all of his roles, especially his iconic role as Omar Little on The Wire. Oh, yeah. I mean, just just a stunning performance. Absolutely iconic. What a performer. I mean, he's great in The Night Of. He's great as Chalky White on Boardwalk Empire. A very uneven show, but his parts are great. He's great in it. And then uh, I, he had a great short spurt on Community that I really enjoyed. As but... the biology teacher. As yep. the biology teacher in the the tremendous uh, Law and Order parody that they do. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God, that show is so good. I could talk about Community for like another hour, but we're not going to do that. I have, that's I have next time. Next next week is the Community discussion episode. I have, a, I have a question that's been lingering on my mind, and I wanted to ask it earlier, but uh, it kind of I would have talked over you to do it. What do you think Brent Fedek is up to right now? What do I think Brent Fedek is up to? I think. Like most hockey players, he's hanging out by a lake somewhere. He's fishing. <laughs> he's fishing. Man, talk about a dude who kind of gets forgotten, right? Absolutely. I mean, him and a... Renberg. Him and Renberg Ugh. both. I never forget Michael Renberg. I don't forget Renberg. Either, I said that with the dreamiest voice. Like, I never forget Michael Renberg. But I love I mean, you, Michael Renberg. <laughs> I love you, Michael Renberg. The Legion of Doom is so iconic to my childhood. It is just, I, I like. That line is my everything. That is easily my favorite hockey thing, period. It's the Legion of Doom. It's always the Legion of Doom. So I never forget Michael Renberg, but certainly out of that trio, he is absolutely the forgotten man. Yeah, tough for him because he was a good player. Yeah, but the other two guys are all-time flyers. I mean, yeah. John LeClaire, consistent 50-goal scorer, Eric Lindros. I mean, just one of the best physical talents to ever play for the Philadelphia Flyers, if not one of the best physical talents to ever play hockey. Hot take in closing, John LeClaire should be a Hall of Famer. I agree. Alright, are we good? Are we Are we a wrap here? We're so good. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, the best place is on twitter.org.edu.ca. You can reach Eamon at Jin and Yusi, like Yusi Saros. Eamon, what are you working on right now that you want to plug? So, I just got picked up by collegeandmagnolia.com. Oh, wow. Um which is covering Auburn, but I'm going to be covering Auburn hockey. So if y'all want to follow along with that, that's pretty cool. That's a new project I'm working on. Uh, we're heading into top 25 under 25 season, uh, which is one of my favorite parts of the year. That's a big part of why I became such a huge fan of Broad Street Hockey. Um, and I'm excited to work on that for the first time ever. You hear me laughing in the background. I, I, I the past couple of years, have just gently bowed out of 25 under yes. 25. I was like, you know what? I don't know enough, so I'm out. Who was who was the dude who raked Tyrell Goldborn in like his top ten the one year and then made like a fan post jokingly explaining why he was or whatever? Oh, I I don't even know. I think I my can't problem remember was, his name. My problem was I think the last one I did, I had, I was I kind of ranked all the NHLers higher up because they were at the NHL level. Oh, that's had, fair. I think I thought that was fair too, and I had Robert Haig up higher than I don't know. I would particularly want him, but I gave him more credit for being at the NHL. I got a lot of shit over that, and I'm like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> I I am totally on the same page with you. Like I think that uh, Cam York has the potential to be a better player than Morgan Frost will be. Right? I rank Cam York 
slightly below Morgan Frost because he has less NHL experience than Morgan Frost. Not by a huge margin, but I think Morgan Frost is closer to being a full-time NHLer than Cam York is. So that's the distinction I made there. I don't rank players in prospect rankings by potential. I rank them by where they're at. Um, so that's, yeah. that's kind of my thinking there. But everybody sort of does it a little bit differently. But yeah, so we have top 25, under 25 coming out. Be sure to be reading that. Um, that'll be great. We still got those player reviews coming out too as we ramp up to the season. Um, we're going to start doing season preview material probably as we get closer here, although I'm not sure when we will start that up. And then I'm still working on some silly projects in the background that are just kind of longer term things. We'll see whether or not they get done anytime soon. But that's sort of where I'm at. What about you, Steve? This is it. I'm working on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, in a few weeks, once the season starts kicking in, we're going to have the Flyers forecast back. And I don't oh, know wow. if we're going to do other. Oh, wow. I don't oh, know wow. if we're going to have other stuff. I, I'm i always open to new podcast ideas and Food things purpley. to do. Food perp, I would love to do all of that stuff, but the stovetop variety hour, dude. I, I believe me, I would love to do five podcasts a week at minimum, but I just do not have the time. But I am open once the season starts to maybe putting out some more content. We will see what happens, but that's what I'm working on. I mean, you got fly perpley, you got BSH radio, and you know, once the season kicks back in, we're gonna be on all gears. We're gonna have a ton of podcasts out each week. The tangy tent that you people crave. Next they week, demand it. They demand it. Absolutely, they demand it. Next week, depending on what kind of news plays out, maybe we'll do a little mailbag. We'll see. So oh, baby. be on the lookout for that. Oh, baby. All oh, right, folks. baby. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Be smart. Be safe. Wear the mask if the business asks. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow 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 wow